episode 34, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to honor the great Walter Payton with episode 34. It's literally taken us 34 doggone episodes to get to the point where we can actually honor the great, the late Walter Payton. So here we go. Here we go. I come to you today. This is a Wednesday morning. I couldn't do the podcast on Tuesday morning. My heart was too heavy. I was too hurt. Now this Wednesday, I've recovered. It's 24 hours later, and I've recovered a little bit more. What the hell am I talking about? You know what I'm talking about. My Washington Huskies got the shit kicked out of us by the mighty Michigan Wolverines on Monday night in the national championship game. You know, holy crap. 15, you know, 14 weeks we played to get to that point. And from week six on, the Oregon game, it felt like a, a playoff game every single week. Every game was close. We happened to play our worst football game of the season, but that's not an excuse. You play your worst football game of the season, most likely not because you just played shitty, but because the opponent imposed their will on you. And so was it going to be Washington's high-flying offense that Michigan had not seen? They'd, they'd faced some good receivers against Ohio State, but Kyle McCord sucked. And nobody else, I mean, Iowa couldn't score if they had seven downs. They, they literally couldn't score with seven downs. What's going on in Iowa, by the way? Why do they have all, they, always these great defenses and literally they can't score 10 fucking points? But anyways, so yeah. I didn't do the show on Tuesday morning. My heart was heavy. I was hurt. I was a little hungover. No question about it. Had a bunch of people over for the national championship game. And it just didn't, it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. And, you know, we talk about sports and politics a lot in this show. Probably 82% of the show is sports and politics. That Don't quote me on that. You can quote me on that. But when you follow sports and you follow politics, winning and losing go together. You've been a sports fan your whole life. You have lost probably way more than you've won, maybe in big games. Maybe it's even. But it's the losing that makes the winning so special. You know how good that winning feels. The losing feels so doggone awful, and it hurts. But it's an experience just like the winning is. Just like the winning is. So I'm grateful to it. Yeah. I'm not a loser. I don't enjoy losing. But I can take a step back, especially in my older years, and just enjoy the overall experience. You remember how you feel when you lose, especially if you're a player or a coach. You don't want to experience that again. You know you're going to at some point. It's just a given. So I'm grateful for both experiences. I remember my father. My father used to coach me in youth baseball. And he used to tell our teams. I mean, we're seven years old. And this was my dad's moniker from the time I was seven to the time you know I graduated high school. You win with class and you lose with class. Both of them are super important. You have to do both. And, and talking about politics. If you've been in politics long enough, you have won some elections. Whether you're 
just 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 a, a partisan hack or an actual politician or a staffer who works for that politician. You've won some elections, and the ecstasy that goes with that is is euphoric. It's incredible. You've also lost some elections. That's just the name of the game. There's a winner and there's a loser. And so whether it's politics or sports, it's absolutely fundamental, fundamental that we win with class and we lose with class. I hope the Washington Husky fan base, when they were out in Houston, lost with class. Hopefully, you know, I, I know Kalen DeBoer is nothing but class. So it was a tough one. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. And now, here, let me just bring this up really quick. I have to bring up politics a little bit with regards to this Washington-Michigan game. Can you? And, and I've joked on, on, on multiple episodes in the past about what if Trump, what if the king was a football coach? Would he ever accept defeat? Probably not. And even though Washington got, you know, Michigan's big boy football ultimately just, you know, pounded us and wore us down. There was nine minutes left in that football game, and it is a seven-point football game. And Washington completes a thirty-five. Penix completes a thirty-five-yard pass down the right side of the end zone, right side of the field, down to like the twenty-five to Roma Dunze. Oh, hold, hold the phones. There was a holding call. There wasn't really a hold. There was some of the holds they let go. This was not a holding call. We had, we probably would have had the ball at the twenty-five-yard line, down seven with nine to play. Had Trump have been the coach of the Washington Huskies, and that call would have happened, he would have said it was a fake call. He would probably be tweeting. There was it was an ACC officiating crew. No doubt, he'd be on X, Xing out or tweeting out uh, probably the ACC head officials' home address, talking about how everything was rigged. He got totally screwed. He'd probably have the Washington fan base thinking they they got jobbed just like he did many Republicans with the election. No, no, no. Football, there's a winner and a loser, and you tip your fucking cap. Michigan, big boy football, you guys showed us a thing or two or three. Good on you. You are the national champions. Good on you. Now, politics is the same way. Bob Dole, Mitt Romney, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, George H.W. Bush, they all, Al Gore, they all conceded. And it's very important to accept defeat in a political race. And then for at least a small portion of time, you throw your support behind the person who beats you and said, I'm going to work with them, all of that Al Gore tape that we played for you. That's how it's supposed to be done. You tip your cap. Obviously, that didn't happen in 2020. We asked, they asked Trump, they just asked him on the campaign trail just, just last week, I believe, would he accept the result of the election? And he laughed and said, if I win, of course I'll accept it. And he means it. If he wins, he'll accept the result. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Win with class, and it's really important to lose with class, ladies and gentlemen. So... Congratulations, Michigan Wolverines. AB, congratulations. One of us are happy. Unfortunately, it's not me. Fortunately, it's you. So good on uh, the Michigan Wolverines. And I, I do want to touch on Jim Harbaugh really quick here. <clears throat> this guy's incredible. I don't even know what to make of this son of a gun. Okay. He came, 
he, he started coach at San Diego State, and then he went to Stanford. Then he went to San Francisco. All he has done is win. He was literally one play away from beating his brother, John Harbaugh, in the Super Bowl when the, the 49ers and the Ravens played in that Super Bowl, that tight Super Bowl, where the lights went out, as I recall. But uh, it's so weird to me. When you listen to John Harbaugh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, he seems likable. He seems intelligent. He seems like a people person. You check all the boxes. When you listen to Jim Harbaugh speak, and this, you know, starting, I didn't follow him too much when he was at San Diego State, but when you listen to him speak at Stanford, or especially with the 49ers, I know the Seahawks fans and, and Jim Harbaugh, the, the 49ers and the Seahawks had a, a big rivalry going there for a while. Kaepernick, Wilson, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh. And so, but when you listen to Jim Harbaugh speak, you're like, are you acting? Are you trying to sound awkward and weird? It's like thousands of competitive, it tells a story. There's a story in every one of those piece of competitive me. Mason Blue Confetti, just so proud of our team. Kind of, are you trying to be a dick? Is this all an act? And, and, and I, it has to be on some front because when you see the teams that he coaches, you see the love that they have for this man. He's obviously connecting with them. He is downloading every he 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 is connecting. He's got it down. And so I, I you know, you hear Jim Harbaugh is gonna bolt Michigan maybe for the NFL. Maybe Michigan's in a little bit of trouble. Um, a la Pete Carroll at USC, maybe, maybe not. Seems like he's been itching to get back at the NFL. He's got his natty now. He's got his national championship. I guess all he needs is a Super Bowl. But, Jim, I I, I think the Michigan Wolverine fans can, can agree with me on this. Pump the brakes, dude. Fuck the NFL. You know what the NFL, everybody knows what the NFL stands for. It's not for long. You've got Camelot in Ann Arbor. Jim, you've got literal, literal Camelot. You could coach there for the next 20 years. And the way you've got it rolling, why can't you win three or four national titles in 20 years? Why not? Go because go rival Saban is one of the best college football coaches ever, ever to walk the sideline. You go to the NFL, you go to the Raiders, you go to the, the Commanders, you go to the Chargers, whoever it may be. I don't care if you're the greatest coach on the face of the earth. It's the NFL. You might last two years. You might last three years, and it's over. And you probably can't walk back to Michigan. And so I I would strongly, as a Washington Husky fan, I'd say, hey, Jim, get the fuck out of college football. God, I don't want to see that Michigan team anymore. As, as a neutral observer, I'm saying, Jim, Call a timeout and think about this. You belong in Ann Arbor. You really do. Do you belong as a head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? I know you want to sit across the Thanksgiving table and, and look over at your brother and say, okay, you got a Super Bowl, but I've got a Super Bowl and a national championship, which puts you in rarefied air. Jimmy Johnson type rarefied air. Not that Jimmy Johnson was that great of a coach. But, yeah, I'm asking Jim, What's important to you? 
What's important to you? Is someone going to give you a couple million more bucks? Really? Do you need that? The security that you would have in Ann Arbor, you've created your kingdom. Now perfect it. Enjoy it. I don't, I don't know. It, it sounds like if he gets an offer, he's gone. Um, but what an incredible run for Jim Harbaugh. As you recall, he's got three straight CFP appearances now. Didn't bode well in the first two. Got to have some experience. Got to get that roster right. Hey, this year they win two games. They beat Bama. They smack UW. And, and, and it's, it's, it's all good for him. But if you recall, that the, the first year he made the CFP preseason, this, I don't know, Harbaugh had been the coach for four years, something like that. It wasn't going well in Michigan. They weren't winning football games and competing for national championships like they thought they were going to. Just It took a little bit longer. You wouldn't have that opportunity in the NFL, Jim. You, you'd have your, your ass out of there. Michigan came and made you restructure your deal. You took less money to stay in Michigan. Now you've built this, this, this gigantic Trojan horse and it, it looks like it could be unstoppable. It looks like it could be a dynasty. Why give it up for the not-for-long league? All right? Okay. Enough of that. NFL playoffs. NFL playoffs. Let's talk about NFL playoffs. No, let's not talk about NFL playoffs. That's enough with the NFL playoffs. If you want to talk about NFL playoffs, listen to somebody else. Uh, Greg Cosell, best NFL guy you could ever listen to, X's and O's. He'll break it down for you. All right. There's your NFL talk, baby. Woo. Done with that. All right. Get that one out of the way. Oh, yeah. I heard the, the, the window is open for Russell Wilson's return in Denver. Yeah, right. That sounds like PC shit to me. No, thanks. I don't want him back. I don't want him back. I don't, I don't care. We, 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 we can go eight and nine with uh, Gardner Minshew or, or someone like that. We don't, you know, I don't know. It's time to, to, to cut bait. Cut bait. But, uh, all right. Here. We've got the Epstein thing in the news. Aaron Rodgers is refusing to apologize. Say, I, I didn't say what I said. And and I listened to Aaron Rodgers talk. And, and I can see, yeah, maybe you didn't 100% mean to say, hey, Jimmy Kimmel's on the list. Jimmy Kimmel been calling you a dummy for a while. A conspiracy theorist. Making fun of you on his show. And you were like, oh, well, wait till this list comes out. Then, the, you know, the dummy conspiracy theorist would have been right. And so he was trying to call you out that way. But Aaron, Aaron, the entire country associates Jeffrey Epstein and the Lolita Express and any sort of list, Epstein. And then if there's a name next to it, people associate it with a pedophile. Ask Machine Gun Taylor Green. You've seen her tweets. Bill Clinton belongs in prison. Not Trump, but Bill Clinton belongs in prison. Pedophiles belong in prison. And so I saw I saw I saw Aaron Rodgers' statement, and, and I would say, Aaron, you, you still could have said you're sorry. I think what Aaron said was true. I think he was trying to call out Jimmy Kimmel, but he still associated Jimmy Kimmel's name to the entire country, millions and millions of people, with a known pedophile in Jeffrey Epstein. Would it have hurt to just simply fucking apologize? It wouldn't have. You would have been the bigger man. It would have worked. Maybe you and Jimmy could have shook hands. 
brought it out, showed America what working together is all about. Instead, you, you dug your heels in, your shoes in, whatever. You, you know, Aaron Rodgers digs his cleats in, baby. <clears throat> There's power in apology. There is absolute power in apology. So, Aaron, I would, I would encourage you to do the right thing. Your words got jumbled. Uh, the meaning the the meaning got you know construed but there's nothing wrong ever with saying you're sorry saying you're sorry so now this Epstein thing got me thinking it got me thinking about Hillary Rodham Clinton Hillary Rodham Clinton aka on this show sometimes Carmen San Diego Carmen San Diego and I, I, I was I was looking at the picture of uh, uh, the the Davies girl um, in the air the private airport, rubbing, massaging the former president Bill Clinton's shoulders, and got me thinking about Arkansas and what a womanizer Bill Clinton was back in back in his days as governor of the state of Arkansas. Got me thinking about Monica Lewinsky and the seven or eight blowjobs that were performed inside the White House. And I, I, it's not my job to get involved in, in someone's marriage. I've got a marriage. Everybody's got a you know, A lot of people have got a marriage and marriages can be complicated. And sometimes you, you know, you'll hear, oh, so-and-so should leave that person. And you're like, well, it's not that easy. It, it, it can be complicated at times. And I can imagine, in terms of marriages, Bill and Hillary Clinton's marriage at times has been complicated, maybe more complicated than most. I always thought, my mother used to tell me, oh, it's a business relationship. It's a strict business relationship with between the two. They may have been in love when they were young political activists tr trying to change the world when they came from nothing. But that time has passed. And, and I see Clinton getting a massage from this young woman in an airport, and it looks creepy to me. And it just got me thinking, Hillary, at some point, why didn't you step up and divorce the son of a bitch? Fucking kick him to the curb. Now, relationships are complicated. The Clinton relationship may have been a business decision. Well, I can't leave the former president of the United States or the president of the United States. It would look messy. It could hurt his campaign. It could hurt. What, and I believe she was probably thinking of herself. And, and when your husband is a serial cheater, maybe it's good to, to, to think of yourself once in a while. Hillary, you should have thought of yourself. She probably thought, well, if I'm going to run for president one day, which I think that was, that was in her craw for a long time. I can't divorce Bill. I need Bill by my side. I need Bill by my side, regardless if if, if he's a pig or, or, or not. And, and and I think, Hillary, if I could sit down with you and have a cup of coffee, you know, in, in retrospect, in hindsight, maybe the best move you ever could have made would have been to say, you know what? I am done. And you could have shown the American people. You could have shown women all across the country what backbone looks like, hey, what principle looks like, what a marriage is supposed to look like, what a relationship is supposed to be like. Maybe you should have, if you were interested in your political career, Hillary Clinton, maybe a long time ago, you should have stood up and said, goodbye, 
goodbye. Because, you know, I always used to ask myself this question after Monica Lewinsky. Do you think Bill Clinton has cheated on Hillary Clinton post Monica Lewinsky? And if you were to say no, you'd probably be an idiot. You'd, you'd probably have to be a really big Clinton fan to say no. I'm not sure that, that there are those big Clinton fans. There's just no way. So who would Bill been sleeping with? Well, man, he had somebody setting him up in Jeffrey Epstein. There's just too much connection there. For you know, and, and I'm not calling him a pedophile. I'm just saying that uh, he was cheating on his wife. He 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 was flying on the Lolita Express. Epstein was hooking him up with God knows who. I'm not saying they were underage. Uh, you know, anybody on the list doesn't make him a pedophile. Doesn't make him a pedophile. I'm sure Jeffrey Epstein banged plenty of of age women. Plenty of them. Okay. It like I said last episode, it is an awful fucking look to be anywhere near that name and Bill Clinton is all over it. He's all over it. Hillary, maybe you would have become president had you have left Bill Clinton. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you would you would have more people's respect. Now, like I said, getting into somebody's marriage. Yeah, it's not what I do, even though I just did it. Even though I just just did it. But when you know what, when you when you're this high in the limelight, you got a, a president, a secretary of state, and a senator, what Hillary's accomplished. And, and you know she ran for president, won the popular vote. You do all that, and you're fair game. And the Clintons are certainly fair game. So you should have you dumped his ass, Hillary. No doubt about it. So, all right. Now, you know, we talk about unity on this, on this show, and I try to tell you that... We're going to change the tone and the civility of the way that we talk to each other and the way we communicate and the way that we behave with one another. And that, and, and that's great. And here I am. I give people nicknames. I've, you know, I give Marjorie Taylor Greene, Machine Gun Taylor Greene. Hillary Clinton is Carmen Sandiego. Joe Biden is Grandpa Joe. And so it can be, my, my nicknames can be a little divisive, but, but I'm Nick. And, and, and sometimes this show gets explicit and, and I don't mean to divide. I, I, I mean to have a comedic value to it. So I've got a new nickname. We've talked about attorney general, Kenny Paxton. And I was going to do like a poll question to like what his nickname should be. Fuck that. I've got the nickname. Kenny the Hunter Paxton. Because we know, we know, as you've heard in this show, the last two episodes, if you are a physician in the state of Texas, look out. The hunter has warned you that he's on the prowl. If you are a family who feels you have no other option than gender-affirming care in the state of Texas, and you go to the state of Washington to have a medical procedure performed, look out! Look out! Because Kenny, the hunter, Paxton, could be coming for you. He could be coming for you. And I, t- you know, it's funny. I talk to conservatives all the time, all the time. It's, it's what I do is I talk to conservatives. I talk to everybody. And conservatives over and over tell me that they don't want the government telling you what to do. That's why Republicans... A lot of them didn't want the vax, the vaccination. The government was telling them what to do. 
I, I was I told you I was on message boards reading all about a, the AR-15 and the M, M4 and stuff like that. And, and, and gun enthusiasts on these message boards were saying it was the fucking Democrats. I didn't even want this stupid gun. I've got better guns than the AR-15. But because Democrats told me I could not have it, I wanted it. So I hear over and over again. I want the government to stay out of my life. I, I do not want you involved. Abortion and gender-affirming care. Kenny Paxton is showing us in real time that he wants the government not to just be involved, but to hunt you down. We've started following Kenny Paxton. I don't know if it's on. I think it's on Twitter. We're following him. We want to keep a close eye on him. Nobody mistake me following people for loving people. So, Kenny Paxson, someone I'm following, he's certainly someone I don't love. But the hunter is out there. Women, physicians, children. Beware. Beware. So, all right. Yeah, and here I am. I talk about, I, I'm supposed to unite the country, and here's another nickname. So, just work with me. Just work with me. I can be an asshole. I could be a little bit edgy too. It's all right. You know, you, hey, you know Nick the American. You know what I'll do? I'll apologize. Sometimes when I'm wrong. Aaron Rodgers, he probably should apologize to Jimmy Kimmel. I think uh, that would be the best move. No question about it. So, anyways, you know, let's see here. I saw Judge Judy endorses our girl, Nikki Haley. Says she thinks she could unite the country. And we've seen some polling in New Hampshire. My goodness. She's like five points down from Trump. And th this is a poll I saw. She's five points down. And Chris Christie's got like 11 or 12%. I bet if Christie dropped out of the race, Trump's probably getting none of those that none of those votes. Now, he's not going to drop out before New Hampshire or Iowa, but there's some meat on the bone there for Nikki Haley. If she if she can be right neck and neck with the king, that's going to lift her profile. That's going to give her some delegates. That's going to give her some momentum. Probably going to have her raise some more money. All la the Koch brothers. Maybe they they open up their wallets even more. So. Good on Nikki Haley. Keep going, Nikki Haley. You, you need to get even more aggressive. You need to get more aggressive. So, um, but uh, with this endorsement of Judge Judy, wouldn't it be good if we do get Biden and Trump as the two nominees? If, if, if we are so fortunate as a country to get this rematch, this this senior citizen led rematch if we're so fortunate then then i i don't think we should do debates with these two i i think we should have judge judy in a courtroom and i think we should have on one side biden and one side trump and she can just go after him and yell at him he committed voter fraud okay show me the evidence oh okay let me see what do you got there's no evidence with these there's no evidence and shut up it would be great. It would be great. What, is, what does everyone think about that? Instead of presidential debates between Trump and Biden, which we've already seen, we already know are awful, why can't we have Judge Judy be the moderator in her own courtroom 
And on one side, you got Trump and one side, you got Biden. I think it would be cool. What do you think? Huh? 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 Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Come on, Judge Judy. Can you, she should be the debate, the debate moderator. Or give us two fresh candidates. I think that's what we really want. We really want. So this, let me tell you a story here. This past weekend, I had, uh, uh, I've been trying to connect with an old friend. An old friend had reached out to me. His name's Garrett. Hey, Garrett, how's it going? He's actually listening to the show. And uh, he said, hey, dude, I'm listening to your podcast. Uh, really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, maybe we should get together for lunch. I hadn't seen Garrett in six years, six plus years. And me and Garrett had grown up together, kindergarten, preschool, you know, kindergarten, uh, first grade, second grade, all the way. We actually went to different high schools. I went to Hazen. He went to Renton. But uh, uh, we were able to reconnect this uh, past week. We met at Top Golf. Top Golf. What an amazing business! My goodness, unbelievable. I, you know, don't quite get it, but uh, we met at Top Golf and. Uh, we had a two and a half hour conversation and, and so what you talk two and a half hours with your friend, but Garrett's conservative. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett is a Republican or a libertarian. He's, he, I would call him, you know, pretty doggone conservative, just like I'm pretty doggone liberal. And in our two and a half hour conversation, we talked about life, family. We talked about politics, conspiracy theories, and we don't agree on everything. We had a fantastic fucking conversation for two and a half hours. And if I didn't have some stuff to do and he didn't have some stuff to do, it would have been no, no, no big deal to talk for another two and a half hours. And I look forward, Garrett, to having another lunch <coughs> and doing it again. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. The point is that conservatives and liberals our friends and our family and, and, and they can be civil. Me and Garrett could sit down with all of this political noise and all of this news media noise, teaching everyone to fucking hate each other. Me and my buddy could sit down and we could come up with policy that we both could agree on. We both could live with that. We both could say, Hey, are you trying to ruin the country? No. Are you trying to ruin the gun? No, not me neither. Oh, yeah, no, we're, try we're trying to work together, come up with a solution, give a little bit here, take a little bit here, work to fucking together. I know me and Garrett could work together. There's no doubt about it. None. None. Cons conservative and liberal. We have to do the same thing in this nation. We have to. What do we have? If we don't have civility and teamwork, after all, we are a team. If you listen to this show, correct? Initiative 15, how do we get better? How do we make our football team better? Well, you sit down and you have a conversation. You have a, a, a meaningful, impactful conversation with someone that you respect. Someone that may think differently from you. And you come up with solutions so i love garrett hey two and a half hours my friend of uh just straight up talk we have so we had so much to catch up on let's do it again in the future and we can show everybody that conservatives are not scary 
They're our friends and our family. Liberals are not scary. They're our friends and our family. Oh, yeah, they're scary, Nick. Oh, they're scary. Sure, some of them are. Machine Gun Taylor Green is. But I'm telling you, I would love to sit down at Top Golf with Machine Gun Taylor Green and let's put the politics aside and let's talk. Let's start with family. Let's find out how much that we have in common. Because even someone like Machine Gun Taylor Green, I promise you, I've got a shit ton in common with you, honey. And you're probably going to try to smack me in the face because I'm, you know, degrading you by calling you honey. And I'd probably deserve it. And then I'd apologize. And, whoa, we'd have a building block. We'd have a building block. And then she'd probably call me a pedophile. And then I'd get up and believe and it would be all fucked up. Or not. Or not. There's an open invitation at Top Golf. Me and you, Machine Gun Taylor Green. Garrett, you can moderate. You can moderate. So, anyways. Okay. We're winding down. It'll be a little bit shorter of a show today, I guess. But uh, I have brought up Roy Cooper, the governor of North Carolina. I've brought up Wes Moore, the governor of Maryland. I've been, you know, saying Gavin Newsom should run. I've been pumping up Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, anybody, anybody but these two fucking geezers, Trump and Biden. I don't want them. Now, I have not brought up a man that that I, I've just been reading about the last couple of, couple of weeks. And um, we're talking about the governor of the state of the red, red, red state of Kentucky, Andy Bashir. He's a Democrat. Uh, about a month ago or so, he won re-election. Re-election in the state of Kentucky. To be a blue governor in that state, you got to know something about working together, about being a team. There's no way a Democrat gets elected in the state of Kentucky as the governor, unless he doesn't have something. He doesn't have something special. And so I've been listening to him speak. A.B., do me a favor here. Play, play, here. play the Andy Bashir clip. When I took the oath, I made a solemn pledge to continue to put politics aside, to bring our people together and to move our state forward so that we can leave a better Kentucky for all of our children. Part of building that better Kentucky means leading by example, not tolerating or participating in hate or division, but instead leading with empathy, kindness, and compassion. He sounds a lot like Dick the American. Enough of the partisan bullshit. We got to be adults. We got to be civil. We got to come up with solutions to people's problems. Leave that political shit at the door. It's time to get to work. And so... I looked at I was looking at Andy Bashir's numbers. Andy Bashir won the state of Kentucky by five percentage points. So a pretty comfortable win. Unless you were running against Trump. Pretty comfortable win. Now, Trump won the state of Kentucky by 26 percentage points. Meaning Andy Bashir has a lot of crossover potential. If you have crossover potential in the state of Kentucky, you have crossover potential anywhere, anywhere, I'm telling you. 
And so I, I'm under no illusion that Andy Bashir, if he if, if he became the one day the nominee, would carry the state of Kentucky. But he would sure, certainly tighten it up. He would certainly tighten it up. And if he's tightening it up in Kentucky, he's tightening it up in Ohio, and he's tightening it up in Florida. And you know, and maybe he's 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 gaining on small victories in Arizona and Georgia, and making it more comfortable. Maybe, maybe. The problem here is that the filing date, and this is a problem for Democrats, Trump, Trump's running. Trump's running, and you've got other Republicans. You guys have your chance. There's, there's options out there for you to vote for. Everyone you know, you know, seems like they're supporting Trump. And so Republicans, you've had your chance to move away from this 77-year-old king who does not respect democracy in any way, shape, or form. Democrats have not had that opportunity. We've got Andy Phillips who jumped into the race. Marianne Williamson's running too. And they're having they're not even on all the ballots, so they can't get enough delegates to even win the nomination. I heard they had about in total, they had about one and a half people show up to their campaign rallies this past week. So it's not going well for for for, for these two. It's too late to get on the ballot now with delegates, meaning we would need, essentially, this is what Democrats need. We need Biden to drop out, and you would have, I don't know if you would have, would you have Democrats coalesce around one candidate? Would all of a sudden there be 10 people jumping into the race? But I bring this up because the only way Democrats are going to get rid of Joe Biden is a vote on the fucking convention floor. The convention Okay. That would be chaotic. That would be incredible, incredible TV. But it is literally our only hope at this time, at this moment now. We're, we're, it's January 10th. I believe uh, so many states closed uh, getting on the ballot, you know, having time to get on the ballot. That time has passed. That time has literally passed. And so Joe Biden would have to step down, which I could easily see him doing. But the question would then be how many Democrats jump into this race and how could we bring our party together with this obvious, you know, this, this, you know, can't miss convention fight that we would have to nominate our nominee. It sucks. It sucks. But uh, would, would, would Biden try to endorse somebody? Would Democrats go along with that? What if, what if, what, I mean, what if we have Wes Moore, Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom, Andy Bashir, Roy Cooper? Those five. Let's just say those five. Could, could they come up civilly with a solution to say, hey, you be the nominee? Or... Would would that nomination be so close and every one of them taste it where they would fight tooth and nail for it? Now, with the names I mentioned, the one I, I, I could guarantee there might be a delegate fight, and I say fight loosely, but Pete Buttigieg, win or lose, would be gracious, support. Same with Gavin, same with Wes Moore, same with Roy Cooper, and same with Andy Bashir. Give me those five guys. 
And I think that we could come up with one hell of a candidate and all of a sudden come out of that convention with more momentum than you could ever shake a stick at. And if Trump was the nominee, if Trump was running against one of these five guys, he'd get his fucking face kicked in. And isn't that in the most important election of our lifetime? We should be about kicking in someone's face in an election. We, we, we should be about winning. We should be about winning. We trot out 80, 81-year-old Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe. And we are asking for four or eight more years of the Mad King. So, Andy Bashir. Take a look at him, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look at him. Governor of Kentucky, making some waves, making some noise. You know, I don't know. Should I close every single episode about Initiative 15? No. Just, hey, go be 15% better in some area. Identify your area where you need to be 15% better. Hey, we're getting on social media now. I'm starting to respond to some of your comments. Be sweet to me. Be 15% sweeter to Nick the American. I know I'm a dummy. I know it. I know it. You don't need to tell me. Just tell me 15% less. Okay? Episode 15, honoring the late, the great Walter freaking Peyton, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 34 is in the books. It's a Wednesday. Go get yours, whatever it is. Congratulations, Michigan Wolverines. Congratulations, AB. <laughs> I hate losing. I hate losing. But it is a fact of life. Deal with it, Nick. Deal with the Husky Nation. Until the next time, I love you. Goodbye.